And I want to welcome all of those people there in Belito, there in Peter Maritzburg, there on Faith TV, and there those that are watching us this morning via YouTube. Oh, come on, let's give them a great big welcome. And if you are a first-time visitor, welcome, 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 welcome in the name of Jesus. Well, greet somebody on your left. Greet somebody on your right. Tell them it's great to see you in this building. And it's great to see so many of you here this morning in this, on the Sunday, on this great day. Are you ready? Are you ready? Well, you don't want to miss tonight because we unite as CLC around the country. I know some of you are watching online in the evenings, but our students are coming back tonight. And I want to tell you that when the students are back, it is a party. So you want to come tonight, bring your young people, and we are going to have a great time in the house of God. And I want to say as I, as I kick off this morning, I am very grateful to everyone who has invested in our past, who is engaged in our present and believes in the future of our church. We've got to make sure that we never allow ourselves to be influenced by what is happening around us to distract us from God's purpose, to distract us from His promises and His plans for our lives. So we've been talking about a lot of things this year. I can't say we've been talking about just one thing, but we've talked about a lot of things. And, and, and if there's really one theme that I would say is across CRC, is that we have to set our lives in order, our Christian lives in order. And we need to prioritize what God prioritizes and build what God builds. And I mean, I'll say this again, I'm going to say it again and again and again, that the church is the only institution that Jesus has promised to build. I mean, when there's a move of God and, and a revival, once we've been revived by God, we should get back to the church. We should get back to be planted in the church and serve God through the local church and build God's church. And in order for us to do that, we have to know who we are, to know whose we are, and to walk in that authority. I'll keep saying this, but when Jesus hung out with sinners, they changed. He didn't. And so in Matthew chapter 5, a couple of scriptures I'm going to read this morning. Matthew chapter 5, and if you are, you are strong enough and bright enough and clever enough this morning, you can put your finger at Genesis chapter 12. Matthew 5 first, and then Genesis chapter 12. I'm reading from the message translation, just three verses. It says, let me tell you why you are here. If you've ever asked yourself the question, why am I alive? What is my reason for life? My reason for life is not just to get married. My reason for life is not just to get a nice job and earn a good salary and buy a nice house. My reason for life is not to be able to travel around the world and go overseas on holidays. Let me tell you why you are here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be the light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. God is not a secret to be kept. God is not a secret to be kept. We don't just come out and be a Christian on a Sunday for an hour when we come to church. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. And now that I've put you, on, put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house, be generous with your lives, 
Because by opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. In the New King James Version, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, I want to talk a little bit about occupying the high places. Because each one of us is called to influence this world in different ways, in different means, and with different abilities. Every single one of us. The moment you give your heart to Jesus, you are a representative of Christ. You are an ambassador of Christ here on earth. And God wants you to occupy the high places. God wants you to use what He's given you, what He's, he's blessed you with, to influence your world. I mean, social media is a fantastic uh, uh, tool or medium, but it's a terrible toy. It's a fantastic tool, but a terrible toy. Because when, when, when we get into this whole social media thing, and, and listen, we're all guilty at times. But I've never seen somebody take a selfie when they look bad. When they've just picked out. When they've spilled food down the, the front of their shirt. Or they've woken up and had a bad hair day. Now, when people take selfies, they come to get the camera on me. It's like all the perfect shots get the right angle. No, not that angle, the right angle. Don't show that I've got any skin under my chin. Huh? We, we want to portray to the world when we put ourselves on social media that we've got these perfect lives. That none of us have ever had a problem. We've got the perfect marriage and we've got the perfect children and we've got the perfect house and we've got the perfect life. And we portray something, and then people that see what we portray, they begin to want to uh, copy, or they begin to want to prove, or, or they, they start living to think that if so-and-so is like that, then we've got to be like, that's my goal. And what ends up happening is, we start living this false narrative. I mean, it's funny, I go and greet people, especially young guys, and I grab them on their bicep. There are very few people, one guy this morning, but very few people that just leave their bicep relaxed. The moment you grab them, they bite. He said, why are you pulling that face? Oh, and now I realize you, you're actually flexing. Hey, let me just feel how pop your arms really are. But we want to create this false narrative. I'm this big man, and I'm this, I'm this, and I'm that. And I'm not saying you mustn't be the best version of you. I'm just saying let's get back to being real. Let's get back to being authentic. Let's get back to being honest. You're not going to influence this world if you portray something that you're not because eventually that's going to come tumbling down. And we come to church every Sunday and we put on our Christianese. This perfect little life. We've got this perfect life and, 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 and we, we've got this perfect family and we've got this... Have you ever seen a church portraying the empty seats on a Sunday? In their photos. Now we train our photographers to get the best angles. I've seen people who've got church buildings that seat 200 and they look like they've got 20,000. And I look on social media, I go, oh, Jesus, what am I doing wrong? They're in revival. Hey, listen, if we are going to impact God's wo this world for God, we're going to have to be real. We're going to have to be authentic. 
We're going to have to be honest. And I'm not talking about focusing on all the wrongs in your life. I'm just talking about putting your trust in God that even though we're facing battles and we're facing mountains and we're facing giants, we're going to just open ourselves and be honest towards God and honest towards people and honest and say, listen, I know what you're going through because I've been through that. I know what it's like because I had to overcome that battle. We have to get to a place where we're honest. But this world has, has caused us to become false. False. I'm not talking about bragging about your problems. I'm talking about using your problems to help other people. I know what it's like to feel like somebody's broken up with you. I know what it's like to feel like you, you didn't get the girl you want. I know what it's like to feel that you didn't get the promotion when you thought you should get I know what it's like to have a lot and I know what it's like to have nothing. I know how it, it feels. I've been through those processes. I've had different challenges. I, I don't brag about my challenges, but I share honestly with people what it's like to go through a challenge and how you can overcome a challenge. I don't care how much you glow in the dark. You've got mountains you have to conquer. And the bigger your dream, the bigger the mountains. We read the story of Joseph. I mean, it's a journey of 13 years from when he was rejected and thrown into a pit until he became the ruler of uh, the prince of Egypt. And it's like we read it in a couple of minutes and we think, well, that's how our journey is going to go. No, his journey took 13 years. And he experienced rejection from those closest to him. And he experienced ridicule. And he was made to stand naked in front of people when they wanted to see whether he'd be a good slave or not when they sold him as a slave. He lost his dignity. He lived with false accusation. He was put in prison. He was forgotten in prison. And then he came out of prison and God raised him up to be the prince. But the truth was he had a journey. And we've got to understand that in our walk with God to shine, as the light in this darkness and to be the salt that brings the God flavors into this world. We need to be honor, honest with God. We need to be authentic. We need to realize that God has ordained every person. That God has chosen each one of us to be the salt and the light. And we are Christians that should preserve the faith in society. We are influencers and we need to be authentic to and aim to occupy all the high places that we can use our influence for God. That as we live as the salt and the light in this world, we realize we're always going to have mountains to climb. And whether it be a mountain to fulfill your destiny or a mountain to fulfill your purpose or just whatever reason, we've got to understand that we are serving God in the good times and in the challenging times. So I want to read to you Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 to 4. And it says this, talking about Abram, who became Abraham, the father of many nations. But this was the beginning of his journey. And it says, now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country. That's not a word of God or a rhema for anybody to leave South Africa. Yes, I'm planning to immigrate. Change your plans. Only immigrate if God wants you to immigrate for purpose, which is to win more people to Christ, not for lifestyle. And my brother immigrated. He's married to a New Zealand girl. He immigrated this last week. His first week in New Zealand, welcome to New Zealand, brother. Uh, his first week in New Zealand, where he lives, there was a cyclone. 
10,000 people were without lights. I said, Lekker, you can run, but you can't hide. I mean, their world nearly collapsed because 10,000 people didn't have electricity in their home. I thought, ha, 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 ha. my wife on the family group laughed. Ha, 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 ha. And when we eventually got hold of him because there was no power, I spoke to him. He said, no, all good, mate. All good, mate. Yeah, I was talking like a New Zealand already. All good, mate. All good, mate. I thought, yeah, I'll slap you, mate. Um, and, 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 and 10 minutes later, I get a phone call. He's not a believer. He goes, pray for us. I said, what's wrong? He says, we were sitting on our porch and we just had a 6.1 magnitude earthquake. I said, you got to lack it down under, brother. The grass is not greener on the other side. It's what God has called you to. We're here to make a difference in our world. South Africa is a great country. It's a blessed nation. Oh, come on, somebody. We're going to turn this nation around in the name of Jesus. We're going to live as the salt and the light. We're going to impact this world like never before. So the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. Now watch this. I will make you a great nation. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. Notice what the scripture says. I will make you a great nation. Who will do it? God. And what are we doing? We're chasing the blessing or what we think is the blessing. We're chasing the position or what we think is the recognizable position. We're chasing after things instead of chasing after God. God came to Abraham and God said, this is my destiny for you. This is my plan for you. And, 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 and goes on and says in verse three, and I will bless you, those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, this is important, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Now watch this. I, I think this is probably one of the most profound things I can tell you this morning. And I really need you to hear God in this. God spoke to Abram about his destiny. And what God was saying to him in fulfilling your destiny Others' lives are going to be impacted. Abram, I'm going to bless you, empower you to prosper and to succeed. And you are going to empower others to prosper and succeed. I'm going to bless you and you're going to be a blessing. He goes on to say, and through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Listen, there are people that are waiting on the other side of your obedience to God. And they will only come to Christ because of you. Abram was 75 years when he left the Ur of the Chaldeans. He came out of a wealthy family. He had everything he wanted. And God says, I want you to go out to get in. I want you to take your wife, Sarah, and go to the land of Canaan. Listen, that was their mountain and that was their assignment. And what we need is a revelation of our assignment. What we need is a revelation of our purpose. In actual fact, we need the revelation of the purpose of God for our lives. Remember, he says, you are the salt and you are the light. You are the God to bring out the God flavors in this world and you are, are to bring out, uh, to preserve the flavors and to shine for me. And I think what has happened is as many people have turned Christianity into a behavioral 
but that's such a word, behavioral, something like that, behavioral, can you make it up? Make it up anyway, add it to the Glen Schroeder Dictionary. We turn it into a behavioral thing. I had some guys work in my house yesterday, and, 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 and I laughed because they didn't know what I do as a living. So the one guy was desperate. He was desperate, good, good guy, really good guys. And he was desperate to find out what I did. So the first day they were there, I didn't tell him. I said, I'll give you three guesses. Then I told them I'm a drug enforcement agent. And then I, I gave him all these sorts of, I, guess I just had fun. And, 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 and while he was working and I talked to him and every now and again a little word would slip out and a little word would slip out. And I, I don't get a face. You can say a word. That doesn't bother me. There were some of the disciples that cussed. It's not good to cuss, but there were some disciples that cussed. I know we're all so spiritual here that if, you, if you're hammering a nail into a wall to hang up a painting and you hit your, your thumb with a hammer, I know all of you are so good. You're praying tongues and go hallelujah. and three, say, I know, I know, I don't. That's why I don't hang paintings. Because I don't want to cuss. Anyway, the, the guy's working and, and, and I promised him when they finished the job, I would tell the guy what I do. So I, I, I proceeded to tell him. Well, it was like it was a six-year-old child who's, who had said a cuss word once and his mommy had, 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 had washed his mouth out with soap because he stopped swearing. He almost started glowing in the dark. He was so like holy. That's how we are as Christians. We, we put on this behavioral pattern. Oh, it's church time. Let's get dressed. Let's get dressed nicer than normal. And, and let's go to church. And you still fight with your wife on the way to church, but that's all right. That's why we don't drive in the same car to church. Because she'll be late. And I'll get irritated. Then she'll sweetly say something that's con- different to what I'm thinking. And I'll get irritated. So then I'll start fighting at her. No, we don't fight. We have intense fellowship. We're Christians, remember. We never disagreed in 26 years of marriage. We've never disagreed once. You know, we just glow in the dark together. Yes. And the point is, you, you get dressed for church and, and you come with your wife and you fight with her in the car and, and then you get to the door and you park the car and the ushers are waiting to, to help you. The car guards are there to help you and you get, come out and it's like, hello, praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. When nobody's looking, you give her a dirty look. You come into church and we greet you, we make you smile and you all wave and shandai, hundai, tie my bow tie, cross my heart, hope to not die if I carry on telling lies and all that rubbish. Then I say, say amen and you amen it and you're going to run for God, amen, pastor, I'm going to run for God. And you finish church and you walk out, you're getting irritated because there's traffic and there's people and there's this. And then you go to a restaurant for breakfast and you have a time. By the time you're having food at breakfast, you are swearing and you... And then just as you start swearing, your wife goes, you see, you're not much of a Christian. We turn it into a behavioral thing, but it's not a behavioral thing. It's a relationship with God. And the more time you spend in His presence, the more you will yield to His promise and His purpose and His plan for your life. But we've got to get to a place of surrender and authenticity and honesty and realness and let God transform us from inside out. Not outside in, inside out. And so Abram and Sarah are called by God to be used by God like each one of us is called by God to be used by God. And really what we need is a revelation of our purpose, which really is God's purpose for our lives. Because God wants to bless Abram and God wants to bless you, but the blessing of God on our lives carries with it great responsibility because the blessing is connected to purpose. 
In other words, when God called Abram, He was saying, Abram, will you carry the blessing of God to the earth? Abram, will you be the salt and the light in this world? But I want you to understand, Abram, the gravity of this responsibility. Because if you fail, Abram, the families of the earth will not have their blessing. You You see, we got caught up in prosperity and it's actually about purpose and let me say this God's not anti you being blessed God doesn't have an issue with you prospering in actual fact the Bible says in 3 John 2 beloved I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers as a man thinks in his heart so is he Proverbs 10 22 the Bible says the blessing of the Lord maketh one rich and he adds no sorrow with it he wants you blessed He just doesn't want what He has blessed you with to have you. And the Bible actually teaches us that the the blessing of Abram is in us. If you are in Christ, you are Abram's seed and heirs according to the same promise, Galatians 3.29. You and I carry the blessing in Durban, in Belito, in Peter Maritzburg, in KZN, in South Africa. And if you and I fail in what God has destined us to do, there are people who will not receive their redemption. Our assignment, our purpose is important because it's our watch. It's a God-given responsibility upon which the lives of countless others depend for their redemption. How you live. How you work. How you take responsibility in this life. It's massive. It's massive. It's massive. How you treat other people. Listen. With the amount of people that are in this building here, just in Durban, we should be causing a massive revival in KZN. Jesus had 12. One was a deceiver, a betrayer. But through those 11, the gospel has not stopped being preached for over 2,000 years. We have churches all over the world that are operating today on a Sunday. But we should be causing revival wherever we go. Because the same spirit that conquered the grave is alive in you and me. The the same spirit that raised Jesus from the death is alive in you and me. That's why Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, which means good news, of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. There's good news and bad news in it. It's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. But it's nothing for those that don't believe. And we have a responsibility to take that message and share it with our world. So maybe you've made some mistakes and maybe you've messed up and maybe you, you, you're paying the price for some of those, those things that you went through. But, but don't focus on your past. Let's focus on the future. Let's make a decision this morning. We are going to pick up the gospel message and we're going to take it into the highways 
and into the byways. We're going to take it into our families. We're going to take it into our homes. And we're going to take it into our workplaces and our businesses and our campuses. And we're going to start trying, we're going to start tell people that Jesus is real. That God loves them. And that there is a way back. For Abram, the responsibility was passed from Abram to Isaac. And then from Isaac to Jacob. And finally down to Mary. And then she carried the seed, the Christ, in her womb for nine months. The mountain that Abram had to conquer and Abram had to occupy and Abram had to climb was not just for him and Sarah. But it was so that they could give birth to Isaac for the salvation of this world. And it's same for us today. To carry the seed of salvation to our world. I mean, God says in Genesis 12, I will make you. God says in Genesis 13 verse 16, I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. Listen, it's not just about you and Isaac. It's about you, Isaac, and, and then the genealogy that goes through all the earth. We need a revelation of our purpose in Christ. It's not difficult. You don't need to pray, oh God, what is my purpose? You have a purpose. Your purpose is the same as that of Jesus Christ to seek and save that which is lost. Your purpose is to treat others with love and mercy and show them that God loves them and that they've got a future and it's found in the only living God and His name is Jesus Christ. We need a revelation of His promises. God said, I'll make you a great nation, Abraham. I'll make your descendants as the dust of the earth, Abraham. By the way, when Jesus called his disciples, the first disciples in Matthew 4 verse 19, he said, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. Purpose. God has called all of us to a life of purpose. And his promises are the way that he uses us. The blessing of God is there to help us get to a place of influence. But you can begin to influence the day you give your heart to Jesus. And I got saved a Tuesday afternoon. And when I went to a cricket practice that Tuesday evening, I walked up to the first person who I thought was a Christian and I said to him, hey, listen, I just want to tell you today I gave my heart to Jesus. Well, I didn't get the reaction I thought I'd get because he like ran away from me. But it wasn't 10 minutes later as we were warming up, the guys were calling me Dwemini. Then at night I phoned both my parents and I said, listen, I've got to tell you something. My life is transformed. I've gave, gave my life to Jesus. My mother laughed. She said, we all tried that thing. Doesn't work. And my dad said, whatever blows your hair back. But 30 something years later, I'm still serving God. 30 something years later, I'm still telling people about the simplicity of God's love for them. That there is a way and His name is Jesus. I didn't know much about the Bible, but I knew I had to tell people that I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I wasn't perfected in a moment, but I'm telling you now I was not ashamed of Jesus Christ. We need a revelation of His purpose and we need a revelation of His promises. In Abram's journey, he discovers that there's a delay. And he thinks God needs some help in fulfilling his plan for his life. 
In other words, don't let's just point fingers at Abram. It's like all of us. We have a dream from God, a promise from God, but because of delay, we doubt. Because of sometimes the size of the mountain in front of us, we're governed by fear and maybe even paralyzed by unfulfilled expectations. So Abram tries to help God out. How many of us have tried to help God out? Okay, I'll be honest. I have. When God calls Isaac and you give him Ishmael. You see, Abram became impatient with God. And he thought, I will help you out, God. Because he forgot for a moment who God is. He forgot that God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I'll smile at the camera because he wants one smiley photo. Because you can't put the real me on the photos. <laughs> but he forgot that God was the Alpha, the beginning. And the Omega, the end, and everything in between. He, he forgot, so he, he goes to his wife, and his wife, Sarah, is not falling pregnant, and, and, and he's now 99, and, and she's 75, and well, but they were a bit younger actually at that time. But he goes into total doubt, and he says, listen, I'm going to help God out, and he produces Ishmael, an illegitimate son. His wife says, listen, I'm not falling pregnant, you, make, you can have my maidservant. And, and you saw how righteous Abram was. He said, no, I, I don't want to commit adultery. No, keep your maidservant to yourself. He didn't hang back. He said, okay, you bring her on. And that maidservant produced a son for him called Ishmael, an illegitimate son. Abram goes into total doubt, lack of faith and unbelief. And listen to me this morning, family. When we don't do it God's way, we produce something that's illegitimate. Something that will not fulfill its intended purpose. That's why we have to prioritize His presence and prioritize His promises and prioritize his purpose so later on Abram is 99 and Sarah is about 90 and Abram by producing Ishmael had thought that what he had, he had done was what God had asked him to do and then God comes to Abram and says this time next year your wife Sarah will have a son and the Bible says that Abram actually laughed at God in unbelief Abram had given up. Some actual fact in Genesis 17 verse 18, he asked God that Ishmael will be the one. And God says no. This is important, family. The only way Abram could have a son through Sarah would be for Abram to trust God for a miracle, a manifestation of his promise. And it had to be done by faith. And that's where our relationship with God starts. And that's when our relationship with God ends. The Bible says in Romans 14 verse 23, the second part, for whatever is not from faith is sin. Hebrews 11 verse 6, the Bible says, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Now, now we get confused in this world. Time is up. We get confused in this world because you talk to people and they say, I don't go to church, but I have faith. Really? You don't go to church, but you have faith. I don't agree with you. Let me say to you, brother, 
The, the first bit of faith that you need is the faith to get you out of bed. Because you've got some demons that are hanging onto your hair and keeping your head on your pillow. And you can't break that demon. Or if you've got no hair, you've got a magnet inside your bed that's holding your head on your pillow. I don't know what it is. But, but, but what we call faith is, is like acknowledging. No, faith is believing God. And the Bible says we should not neglect the gathering of the saints, as is the manner of some. I actually want to submit to you and say, as is becoming the manner of many. Don't need to go to church very often. I go once in a while. I go Christmas and, and New Year. God understands. No, He doesn't. When you have faith in God, you believe God, you believe His Word, you believe His promises, you yield to God, you trust God, you apply His truth to your life to see the intended outcome because while we, we, we're trying to do it our way, we keep producing Ishmael. And Ishmael isn't the result we want. Ishmael isn't the son of promise. Romans 4 verse 13 says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So when you believe in the grace of God, you apply the faith of God. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you, listen to this, a father of many nations. In the presence of him, which is the presence of God, whom he believed, God. Abraham believed God when God told him, listen, Ishmael's not the one. I want you to have a son of promise through Sarah. The Bible says, Abraham believed God, watch this, who gives life to the dead. Maybe the dream died. Maybe the promise seems like it's died, but God brings life to the dead things. God, when you believe in God, He brings life. Who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope in hope believed, so that He became the father of many nations according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. Now watch this. And not being weak in faith, He did not consider His own body his own life, what's best for him. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God, did not stumble at the promise of God, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving all the glory to God and being fully convinced, fully persuaded that what God had promised, He had promised, He was also able to perform, and therefore it was accounted for righteousness. So, so listen, how many of us are sitting stagnant because we're disappointed, we're fearful, we've got distracted? Yet the promise of God is still true. That's why we need a revelation of the purpose of God and a revelation of the promise of God. Because the purpose of God is why we are here, and the promise of God is the platform God's going to give us to talk. In Genesis 22, verse 2, I'm nearly done. God says to Abram, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Not take now your son, not, 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 not the illegitimate one. No, no, God doesn't say, 
take now, no, not Ishmael. doesn't even mention Ishmael's name. He says to him, take now your son. Your only son, Isaac. But he had another son. No, not in God's eyes. Because the illegitimate son was a son of the flesh. And many of us, because of the world we live in, is trying to portray something that's not real. And because we're trying to portray something that is not real, people pick up on it, and therefore we lose the ability to be the salt and the light. I had cancer. Because I had cancer, it doesn't make me a sinner. Because I had cancer, it doesn't make me a bad person. But as I talk to people that have gone through illness and are facing trials, I have a different authority in my life because I can talk to them about how God delivered me from that sickness. I know what it's like to have lots of money and I know what it's like to have no money. And I've served God with lots of money and I've served God with no money. So I can talk to people that are struggling in a certain area. They're just, you need to be authentic and real. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to go through marriage challenges because I've been married for 26 years. We've experienced the good times in marriage and we've experienced challenging times in marriage. And I can tell you that the Word of God works in marriage. I've had to apply my faith to raising two kids so I understand the pressure of raising children and the responsibility. And I can tell you that the Word of God works. I've used my faith to raise my kids and I, I still use my faith to lead my kids. What am I trying to say? Not that I'm perfect, not that I've attained anything. All I'm saying is we're on a journey to be the salt and the light. We're on a journey to bring out the God flavors and the God colors in the earth. And there's a huge responsibility that God has put on our shoulders. But we can't do it without faith. And we can't do it without commitment. And we can't do it without making sacrifices and we can't do it with, without God and we can't do it without His church. And that, that which is done without faith is not rewarded. Abram knew his assignment and he tried to bring forth the Son for God. Listen, Abram understood his assignment but in understanding his assignment, he tried to bring forth the son for God. And God rejected the son. Notice, he tried for God. But God said to him, I will bless you. I will make your name great. And through your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Abram was told to have children. And God brought forth Isaac through Abraham. Because when God spoke to him, he didn't waver at the promise. I want us to stand this morning. Here in Durban, there in Belito, Peter Maritzburg, maybe you're watching on Faith TV, stand. YouTube, stand. Right where you are.
There's such a presence of God here. Let's lay it all down. Let's cut out the rubbish. Let's cut out the half commitment. Let's get back to a place of total surrender. In His presence. Just close your eyes for a second. Maybe you've never given your heart to Christ. You might know about Him, but you've never fully surrendered. The Bible says, I am the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. It might not make sense that that's the first step of faith. You've got to say, listen, to be honest today, there's an emptiness in my life. There's a void in my heart. I don't have peace with God. Listen, my brother, my sister, you can simply by saying yes to Him. The Bible says He knocks on the door of your heart, but you've got to open up your heart to Him. And when you open up your heart, He'll come and sup with you, the Bible says, which means He'll come and fellowship with you. Do you hear this morning, Lord? I mean, you hear this morning, and maybe you made a commitment to God, and for whatever reason you realize you've wandered away from God. And you need to come back to Him. You need to come back to Him. Maybe you're like Abram and you, you've tried to keep producing Ishmael, but for whatever reason, you, you, you no, trust God again. Come back to Him. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed, please, nobody moving around just for a few moments. We want to respect the Holy Ghost working in people's lives. The Holy Spirit working in people's lives. You want to give your heart to Christ. You want to make a recommitment to Him. You want to Become transparent and authentic with God again. While every head is bowed, every eyes closed, believers are praying throughout this church. They're in Belito, Peter Maritzburg, wherever you are this morning. You want to get right with God this morning? Quickly slip your hand. Come on, in the name of Jesus, unashamedly. Say, yes, you're talking to me. You're talking to me. I want to lay it all down. I want to get real before God again. I want to surrender to God. I want to come to know Him as my Lord and Savior. Just put your hand upon your heart. Let's all pray this prayer today. Simple prayer. To say, dear Lord Jesus, I give myself back to you. And I ask you, to take your rightful place in my life as my Lord, as my Savior. I believe that you are the Son of God, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the grave to give me life. Guide me, guard me, keep me, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.